Welcome to the Arrest All Mimics podcast with your host Ben Talon. Hello and welcome to Arrest All Mimics. My name is Ben Talon. I am your host. This is the Original Thinking and Creative Innovation podcast. How's everyone doing? Everybody good? Everybody up to exciting creative projects? I hope you all are. I hope you're all using that spare time and that downtime wisely. Uh, It's a bit of a quiet spell for me at the minute and I'm really trying to stay positive and put it all into focus. Five years ago or so I would have got onto rants on blogs, I would have been out there angry, uh, practically sucking my thumb on the sofa watching Richard and Judy. And I'm joking of course, I never got to those levels, otherwise I probably wouldn't be in a job right now. Um, I hope you're all enjoying the sunshine, it's been really nice here in London, it's been pretty warm, Uh, my family told me that it's not quite so warm in Yorkshire, but still breaking through the clouds, I don't know why we all talk about weather so much, but we do. Um, Duncan Beady is our guest today, Uh, Duncan is awesome, he's a really funny, cool guy who is on Illustration Limited, supporters of the show, uh, with myself. Duncan has recently released a fantastic children's illustrated book, which he has written also. A multi-talented man, and he's going to take us through that experience today. Um, a little bit first about our show sponsors, Heart Internet, who are sticking around. We uh, we did a little trial run for the last couple of months, and I, th- I hope you guys have been enjoying the SEO and social media tips, because I know, for one, that I uh, struggle with that stuff quite a lot. It's all very new to me. I'm still battling my way around it, learning all the time, using hashtags, all that stuff. Um, Illustration Limited, also sponsors of the show. Go and check out the work they're doing at the moment, the uh, One Million Trees project. Really cool stuff. The director, Harry Lyon-Smith, who was the catalyst behind the show beginning in the first place, he started a project after travelling around the world on a motorbike filled by vegetable oil, uh, which was fantastic and very Harry. Uh, Really quirky, lovely guy. And he started up a project after being a little shocked by the rapid progression of industry and and kind of destroying the natural world. Pretty frightening stuff. So now Illustration Limited pledged 1% of their turnover uh, to Wee Forest. And the aim is that they will plant um, 1 million trees every five years. That's the aim. So really cool to see that. And uh, hopefully more big organisations can follow the lead and get on board. Go and check them out as ever. Illustrationweb.com. Check out all the awesome awards by animators, illustrators, all the cool work that they're doing, ever increasingly diverse, really strong stuff at the forefront on a global level. Really cool people to be partnered with. Uh, Heart Internet, as ever, are going to continue bringing uh, SEO and social media tip every episode, which, I have fantastic news, is now going to be weekly. Finally taking the show on a weekly basis. I've made the commitment, I've got awesome guests lined up left, right and centre, so I thought... Let's do this. Let's get it weekly. Let's bring you an awesome show every single week. Something different. Creative advice, creative tips. Thanks for all the support so far, which has made it possible to do this because I'm now able to go to people and say, look, we've got all these awesome people listening to the show, doing brilliant work themselves. We're creating a whole community around this idea of sharing stories as advice and inspiration for others. So thank you. A huge thank you. And please keep up the support at Arrest All Mimics on Twitter, facebook.com forward slash Arrest All Mimics. As ever, on SoundCloud, soundcloud.com forward slash Arrest All Mimics, and do subscribe on iTunes if you're a regular listener. Get us feedback too. I want to hear more from you guys. I want to know who you want to hear from, what you want to learn, what you want to hear about, whether it's topical, playful, or just something that's pissed you off. We're all for anything. As long as it's an interesting angle, we'll go for it. So, today's tip from heartinternet.co.uk, of course 
is about relevant keywords. And this is just, every time I give you one of these tips, I'm learning something new. And this is not cheesy waffle. Uh, I hope it's really useful because it is to me. And I'm learning this stuff every time uh, I, I have to read through it to present it to you. And it's great because I get to go and learn all these cool stuff. I've got a new website coming, a new bentalon.com website coming in the next few weeks. And I'm now able to go back to my web designer and implement all these cool things. So today it's about relevant keywords and it's, you know, it's using hashtags to find out what conversations are going on surrounding the things that matter to your business. So for example, your brand name, the names of competition, uh, keep these in a list, keep an eye on what's going on using Google. You can also use hashtagify, which Nick Leach from Heart to Internet tells me is an awesome tool. I'm going to go and investigate that myself for the new site. And basically you can use Facebook and Twitter especially because apparently they're quite strong on the old hashtags, uh, to find what conversations are going on. So, you know, anything from whether it's design, if you're a graphic designer, print, editorial, whatever is relevant to you, you can go and search for what conversations are currently going on and what might overlap into your field and what's relevant. And you can find the people that are talking about that. You can find out what they're saying. Um, by using your own company name, for example, you can find out people saying that directly about you, but more laterally, I think it's about what's going on in that world and how you can interject your own voice into that and make people aware of what you're doing. So really valid stuff. Use the hashtags properly, um, search for them, use them yourself, get involved. Really good tips, I think. So thanks to Hearts Internet for that. Uh, so I think you're all going to love the story from Duncan Beanie. Um, the Crafty Fox episode, by the way, last week went down an absolute storm. Um, I think there's a real strong community of makers that all help one another and all support people, and we've gained a good new few followers from that from that crowd of people. So I'm going to continue going down to those markets, buying their goods, supporting what they're doing, shouting about that. So go back and check it out. Sinead Kohler, the founder of Crafty Fox Markets, selling artisan handmade goods in London and now beyond in Leeds. Um, so check that out. Uh, Duncan Beattie, The Bear Who Stared, out now on Templar Books absolutely brilliant duncan is hilarious and we always have a few drinks at the illustration limited dues and he's great and i've wanted to chat to the guy for a while so i finally managed to peg him down in bristol to go and uh, go and talk to him about this brilliant book go on his website duncanbeady.co.uk and check out the brand in particular i want to draw your attention to this the use of the color palette Duncan's brand is brilliant, and if you meet the guy, it screams his personality and character. I know I bang the drum about this, but Duncan's site is beautiful. The simplicity there, the um, the kind of carousel header on the website, the ease of browsing on there, it's a really good showcase as to how your style can translate throughout the bigger picture and how people perceive your business, professionalism, and your brand. So go and have a look. His colour use is brilliant. His composition is varied. His characters are have got so much attitude and balls, it's unbelievable. There's no wonder kids are eating this stuff up, and Duncan is going to tell us about the process of putting together a children's book. What's it like? What's the working relationship like with the publisher, with the art directors? What kind of terms should you be looking for? How do you engage children and adults alike with your characters through anything from facial expressions to the subtlety and eyebrows, uh, the use of lettering, the use of negative space? We're going to go through all that stuff that you're going to have to think about if you want to get into the children's book market. It's a great industry and it's thriving and there's so much diversity there at the minute and Duncan's really carved out his own corner. Uh, and as he'll tell us, he's got a brilliant three-book deal with Templar. Uh, he's currently working on the Lumberjack's beard, which I can tell you is looking absolutely tremendous. There are previews up there on his social media. You can follow him at Duncan Draws on Twitter, where he's pretty active and keeps the posts coming. So check that out.
and I really hope you enjoy today's show. Let us know your thoughts, let us know any troubles, any positives you've come across in trying to break into the children's book publishing industry yourself. Uh, Duncan here is going to give us a really good showcase of it, so enjoy. My illustration work had been, you know, it's always been character based because I've worked in animation for 14 years um, and I'll be the first to admit I'm not a great animator but I quite like the drawing aspect so I got more into background art, storyboarding, character design, that kind of thing yeah. and um, you know can animate if and when I needed to but um, I think you know working in this studio Southern Moon there are some young guys pretty much straight out of college and you see them working and they're just like born to animate it's just, just a gift you know yeah. that understanding yeah. of timing kinetics um, so yeah I'm I'm more clearly more designed for illustrating and yeah just been building a portfolio of characters really and um, the bear illustration I did was one that featured in that um, exhibition that we were both at in oh, okay. London yeah, yeah the scrapbook what, live yeah, that's yeah. the one yeah and so that was one of the pieces and yeah literally then a couple of years later I just kind of scratched my head thinking I'd like to develop a children's story based on one of my characters and the bear image was just over in the corner of the studio just yeah. like leaning against the wall not even hung up you know yeah. <laughs> just kind of staring at me and I was staring back and I was thinking yeah bear that stares that might work as an idea for a story that's interesting so, so it was just a, a one-off illustration to yeah be, to yeah begin. and then it's then it just became a totally organic process I just then looked at that character and slowly but surely a story idea came into that's my cool. head as opposed to I don't know how other writers work but I imagine you probably think of a story yeah. Here's my beginning, middle, and my end. This is great. Now I need to think of the characters in it. Yes. I I work back to front in that respect. So I yeah. draw a character, have a character. Come on, even like the second book I'm doing about this lumberjack guy. I just drew a lumberjack whilst, you know, quite a while ago. And then just looking at him, I thought, I think that character, you know, quite like him. as probably a story to him. I could do more with that character and that's how that story came about as well. So it always starts with the character with me and then yeah. the story. I figure that way because animation like kids' books and I suppose a lot of kids' media it's character-led storytelling. So if you've got a character you like and think you're strong enough then hopefully your story will follow suit. That's interesting because when I was, when I was reading the book um, the other day I, what I, one, of the, one of the things I picked up about it was that the narrative was, was very straightforward nice it's a crisp story well written and um but this but for me that all the humor was very much in the illustrations and mm. this but this bear for one of my highlights was with the badger set when he's yeah. when he sort of squeezed down the tunnel bit really made me laugh out loud and i thought right. that's, that's fantastic like and there's just something about his face like you said about the initial one the bear who's dead type thing yeah there's a there's a, i don't know it's almost like a melancholy about his yeah face that, I, I wanted him to look quite gormless really he's not he's not rude um he you know he doesn't He's not aggressive in any way. He's he's got a quite a kind of softness about him. He's just I don't want to say he's not, he's not a simpleton. But he's just, <laughs> he, he, you know, it, it's a it's a slightly gormless, innocent expression. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think children. I know. Obviously, reading to my daughter from you know when she was a baby up to now, she's like four and a half, and. Um, they instantly, they do instantly identify with characters and they they understand. I was really shocked, actually. Um, I don't 
necessarily think you need to be a parent to be able to write children's stories. That's nonsense. There's loads of really great writers who don't have kids. But for me, I've, I was amazed how quickly um, children's emotional intelligence develops. Yeah. Like, really quickly. They get... If a character's sad or happy, which sounds obvious, but... Or, you know, they understand that and they, they pick up on that really quickly. Yeah. And so I, I know I didn't have to kind of draw a bear bawling his eyes out or yes. have some really explicit, uh, not in that sense, but, you know, image <laughs> uh, to kind of get across the feeling of the bear. Yeah. Just just a bit of sadness in his eyes or the, the way his eyebrows curve yeah, or something. Eyebrows, but yeah, that's, yeah, kids that's, pick up on that instantly. That's it. I think, especially now, kids just seem to be very quickly switched on to things and, and fast learners in mm. general and I think that's gives you, hopefully gives you a bit of sort of freedom to be you know in terms of character development be quite uh, like you said be very subtle and gentle about that and yeah yeah it's actually when you said about that expression then I was reading a novel recently it's like a crime novel and um, it's like a first person in this detective and it came out this great line and he said he said, there's a, there's a look in the eyes, and you see it in the eyes of boxer dogs, that reveals knowledge of how harsh the world is. <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant. And I thought that was perfect. Yeah. Yeah, that made me think of the bear, the bear's sort of look. Yeah. Just a little bit of loss with the, with the brutality of the world. Yeah. <laughs> no, because I mean, all my... I suppose if I have one, like, trademark characteristic in my illustrations, it's the character's eyebrows. They always have these kind of rectangular eyebrows. Yeah. They're always the same, pretty much. But the angle might change slightly, and that... You know, that's enough really to convey what yeah. you want to convey. Yeah. I find so. What, uh, is, it, what is your? Um, so did, did you study? Um, I did a degree in English literature. Okay. Um, yeah. So didn't I've I've had. Well, I did a three-month course here in Bristol in animation, which was run by Yui, um, and that was really useful because uh, I knew I wanted to work in. Well, I wanted to work in animation really and filmmaking, and I'd done my. English degree, spent three years doing that, and then, you know, came out realising, oh, that's good fun and everything, but what, what, what am I going to do now? <laughs> yeah. um, and I don't, I, I initially, see, I thought I wanted to work in journalism for some reason, and then I did do a work experience placement uh, in a kind of TV news studio, mm. and thought, Christ, like, the... A, I'm not the personality to be able to do it. I'm yeah. not being defamatory against journalists, but then you need a certain brain and a certain yeah. way of leading your life almost because it does consume your life. Mm. You know, yeah. There's and no I saw these guys like guys probably younger than I am now, twice divorced. You know, and like wow. <laughs> huge yeah. bags under their eyes, and yeah. it's just like it's one uh, of those careers. Of the, yeah. yeah, it's one of those. Okay, I'm not cut out for that. So that kind of gave me the kick up the ass I needed. And um, and I've always, always, always drawn cartoons, comic strips when I was a kid. Yeah. And I've always just had it as a hobby. And I just thought, why can't I just do it for a living? Surely there's a way of doing that. Yeah. And I just got on the internet, found the Bristol Animation course. And I think at the time, because it's set in Bristol, and I think Ardman sponsored it as well at the time, so 3D animation was really popular. But there was still a couple of spaces left on a 2D animation course, so mm. I got on. And um, Errol Johnson was the kind of main tutor there, and you know, he's like this kind of stalwart of 2D animation. And uh, yeah, so I, like I said, I didn't really pick it up really quickly because, like I say, it's, I think you've got a gift for like, making things move and uh, 
been able to animate. But I, you know, I got by and enjoyed it, and it I learnt enough to make me keen enough to want to pursue it more, and to eventually get a bit of a kind of freelance job here mm. in Bristol about. I think about a year after I graduated, so not too bad really, a year of temping and scraping pennies together. <laughs> yeah, um, got my first animation gig here in 2001, I think it okay. was. Yeah. yeah, that's cool. So what, I mean, yes, yeah, so it's interesting, isn't it? Anim yeah, it's, it's, I like unconventional paths. I mean, it's not that unconventional. People always have this idea of um, that, you know, artists can't write or yeah, you know, that, that that sort of idea, and I, it was funny when when I brought my book up. You know, there was a lot of that. It was like, oh, you know, you, what are you doing? You draw, you draw, <laughs> you draw pictures. You yeah, know. yeah. Um, but what I, colour stuff in. I what? think there's a lot of common um, common abilities that, that tie the two together. But then that made me interesting because you you wrote the Bear Who Step as well. Yeah, right? yeah. All your all your, your yeah. you know, the whole thing, which is interesting. Yeah, because you, you know you look and you think, oh, I am writing it, but. It's not, they're not that dissimilar. I think creative ideas are quite a, a lot of, yeah. lot of uh, crossovers. So I knew my English degree would come in handy in the end, you see. Yeah. <laughs> Writing a children's book. But it is a, I, I like the delightful simplicity of a lot of children's books. But like you yeah. say, that leaves a lot of, not pressure, but a lot of, um, a lot is left to the illustration, you know? Yeah. And the artwork, yeah. which is the crux of it, like you say, is that a sort of difference can make all the difference. True, yeah. I mean, I think, am I... Uh, any kind of editorial meetings I've had with Templar have thankfully been very smooth and convivial and nice. I've got a really good uh, editor behind me and um, designer. And the only thing I initially had to get my head around was like I'd written something and illustrated it as well to accompany mm. what I'd said. And then I just go, well, lose the words because the picture says that bit. You don't yeah. need both. Yeah. And you think, oh yeah, well, you thought I had to like write everything down. You don't. It's, no. You just have to cover what the pictures don't cover, or vice yes. versa. But yeah. sometimes I think books can be too explanatory or have yeah. too much information. And I think, especially when you're reading it to a three year old, you know, you're trying to get to sleep, whatever, and paragraphs to read through, you think, oh God. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, God, yeah, it's about an easy one. <laughs> they come into that with age, I think. The whole, yeah. the, you know, depth in stories, when you get to the lights of rolled down or not you can go for a, yeah. a bit more of a, a world you can lose yourself in yeah but it is about the pictures at that age i think it's important what is the target age range for the book um good question um personally i would say like two to six something yeah. like that younger yeah younger very much a younger i mean that, i don't know exactly how the publishers market it and i think it i think it does vary um different countries as well and yeah uh, I don't know if there have been any co-editions yet where it's going to be translated either. That might be something that happens on the horizon. Yeah. So uh, I don't know, uh, but yeah, it's for like toddlers basically. Yeah, kind of age. Yeah, yeah, it's good. It's a it's a nice. Um, I mean, this, obviously, the story. It struck me as something about you know, maybe is it re is it reaching out to kids that are a little quieter, a little shyer? Well, is, the, is it, it's never that? my conscious intention, but a lot of the kind of people who've mentioned it on Twitter or whatever or uh, done a couple of blog posts about it have all picked up on the fact how it's, you know, it helps and kind of helps children maybe dealing with uh, self-confidence issues and things like that. I didn't set this out to be a kind of self-help book for shy kids or anything <laughs> like that. But um, naturally, yeah, it is going to, you know, kids who are shy or, don't like speaking up in front of crowds of people will relate to yeah. this better. Um, it wasn't 
you know, strictly my intention, but I suppose it is just natural that yeah, they pick up on Yeah, it's a nice that. thing yeah. something can connect with. Yeah, yeah totally. And much like you connect to a character in a film, when you see some, something of yourself in it, I guess there is always that. Yeah. You don't have to drive that. It's just, if it's there, it's there, you know? Mm, yeah. No, it's really uh, it's, it's it's a lovely. Did you did you enjoy the whole process of working on it? I mean, uh, yeah, I, I, it's, it's a world that I'm. Kids, children's book publishing is a world I know nothing about. I mean, you know, if ever Same anyone here. asks me for <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, it's advice, my first go at it. So. Yeah. So how's how's the whole process been in terms of that? You know, in terms of the it, work, the relationship, the back, the editing process. That is it's that been great. I think I know I know I've been really lucky to be teamed up with the people I'm teamed up with at Templar because. Um, you know, I had I had sent my portfolio off to loads of publishers before, uh, without any story ideas, um, and I got some good feedback from some saying, you know, maybe you want to rein in those kind of characters and do more of this, that, and the other. Okay. So it was good to get some constructive feedback. Obviously, you do get no reply from a lot because they're just snowed under that kind of stuff day in day out. It's yeah. just the way it is. Um, and then I just happened to be reading, I think, a, a blog from a I can't remember the editor now but they just said you know yes books need pictures yes the you know books need stories first and foremost so if you've got an idea for a story send that in yeah and that will be stand you in much better stead so that's when I kind of sat down and thought right let's come up with an idea for a story then and that's where the bear kind of came into it and mm. so I did probably spend about six months on and off not even to another work putting this story together to a point where I was happy with it uh, you know, she looked to my wife and she suggested a few things as well. And I thought, right, it's really, you know, then I did the, I actually did all the rough artwork as well because I kind of can't help illustrate as I'm writing things. I did little thumbnail sketches as yeah. well. And so I thought, I've got the sketches, may as well send them in so at least they know I can draw as well. And um, yeah, so Templar, I think, was the second publisher I'd sent it off to, but they got back really quickly I think that again was just luck of the draw it happened to be sitting quite high up on a pile of manila envelopes and yeah. the editor was working late one night and I'd drawn a big um, bear on the front cover and stuck goggly shaky eyes on you know just to so it stands out really yeah. you know again Best that's a, something I read you know somewhere if you've got a sea of brown envelopes that all look the same yeah. you're going to gravitate to one that looks a bit different yes. so that worked, you know, and got a phone yeah. call from Alison Ritchie at Templar a few days later and literally thought it was a wind-up at first because yeah. um, you know, I'd literally only sent off a few days before and Alison, uh, bless her, whenever I try and phone her, I leave a voicemail, she tries to get back to me returning voicemail. She always, like, bugs it up. <laughs> <So> <laughs> she's probably going to listen to this now. Because uh, uh, she hates, she likes people that hates, like, messages and phones and that. She'd rather just speak to someone face-to-face. Yeah. So when she, like, returned my voicemail, she left a voicemail, and there's, like, a long pause, and then she's like, hello, she wasn't sure she speaks to me on the voicemail. And then she just kind of, like, rattled out, oh, got your book, yeah, we're really interested, can you come in for a meeting? And I, bye. And I was like, did that really happen? I, yeah. I need to check that. Yeah. And then, okay, right, so got finally got back to her, and yeah, um, it all worked out. So when It's brilliant. So, you, so you just sent sort of very, very loose sketches on the narrative? Yeah, kind of. Um, it, well, it, I, I did it a bit like a storyboard, because I'm, again, because I'm from an animation background, so, and that's essentially what roughs are, you know, they've got the, the images that go with the words, and I, yeah. I didn't really have it strictly laid out. Of, yeah. Accurately, yeah, it, it told the story visually and with the text, and that was enough to, to go. Because the way I've always the way I've always read it, and it's a fine line to tread. How much do you you know? I always think there's 
you've got to sort of appreciate the fact that the, the, the people that you're approaching are going to want creative control to a degree so you, oh, don't, yeah. you don't want to send a finished thing because no, you, no. you want to sort of go there that's a rough sketch that's what I've got in mind yeah. what do you think add your thing to it and people like that people like to have that, that ownership with it so yeah. I think that's a shared ownership I think that's a good level of finish to maybe begin with I've not I mean in terms of the artwork as well Templar did allow me you know a lot of freedom in that respect because I think they like my illustration style as well because yep. so they didn't really want to tamper with that um, and yeah, I mean, we'd made a few changes to the layout and dropped a couple of pages because they were unnecessary, and mm-hmm. so that gave us more breathing space with another couple of pages. Yeah. So, yeah, no, no drastic kind of changes, which is nice because I think what with animation, you're or unless you're the director, you're working to someone else's vision. Yeah, and you know that from the off, so that's not a problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you'll be probably drawing in a, another person's style yeah. and then when you've done the animation a director will come and say I want it to look more like this or that so although it is a very creative industry you're still um, I guess making compromises so that the end product is yeah. what the main people are happy with Yeah. so with this I'm having like free reign on the story and the characters and how I illustrate it, it was it's probably the first time in my career that's ever happened you know yeah. and it was really refreshing and you know it was nice you could just sit down and say right this is what I want to do yeah. and I'll do it and Brilliant. you know a few editorial changes obviously and yeah. suggestions which you take on board I mean I, I was of the opinion I'm not going to be one of these people who goes oh I don't know about you know, they're experts at what they do you know yeah. they've worked in publishing all their lives yes. if they say it'll probably be better if you do this yeah. and I'll go okay and just do it yeah. I mean, most I would say like probably 95 times out of 100 when an art director's come back to me and, and suggested changes I initially gone ugh because you don't want to make changes yeah. and then always thank them for it after I always felt yeah that was right they were on yeah. the way and usually they are when you're working with the right people you know so I think it's good yeah. to listen and not be too you know not be afraid to be ruthless I think sometimes mm. what's really handy as well I mean I wouldn't normally agonise over old work retrospectively but if you ever had had any doubts where you've had an art director who's kind of pushed you in one direction and you've gone mm, really then like once the project's done and dusted six months later go back look at your first draft and then look at the final pits and you go yeah. oh god they were so right yeah <laughs> it's, it's very yeah it's it does, always the case yeah you look back on things over time and mm. then you can see yeah, yeah that was the right call <laughs> in the moment you're a bit dismissive maybe but yeah when you can look back retrospectively, you, you know. Yeah. Did you? Did, did you? Did you really? One thing that's always—I've never been particularly attracted to the idea of doing a children's book, but it is certainly on the agenda for one day. I want to sort of be in a position where, like, much like yourself, you're not—you—it's your ship kind of thing. Yeah. And with that, that—that's a nice thought. I guess. I mean, I'll, but one of the one of the things that does attract me to it is this idea that with being a longer term project, you can really lose yourself in that world when you're creating it. I mean, did you find? Did you do that? Did you really um, sort of? Were you in there with the? I bear? never. I never really worked. I mean, it was a long term project in that from beginning to end, it it was a, a year. But in that year, I probably only spent about two to three months working on it whilst I was juggling other jobs. So it was mm. a bit here, then a couple of weeks on something else. And it's just fitting it in around other projects. So I never really got overly immersed in it. Okay. And I think that's, I like to work that way. Because I know what you mean. If you do, and as well, you know, it is work. You need to pay the bills. And yeah. with this kind of project, whilst you do get an advance up front, which is kind of staggered, 
that is still, you know, you can't just go, well, hey, I don't need to find any other work now. Of you, course you, not. You yeah. really do. And, and I guess that's good and bad because yeah, it can be a positive or a negative thing getting lost in it. So it's like, mm. so I guess a, a certain degree of detachment can keep it fresh in terms of you will come yeah. back to it each oh, time. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. And, and I, see it objectively. I mean, with this, um, my second book, I'm just starting the kind of final artwork this month and already I've gone back looked at the first spread and gone oh, I'm going to change that now because I did a different job Yeah. came away from it went back to it I thought I was happy with it but looking at it on a second glance having not looked at it for two weeks there's things I noticed that I'd like yes. to change and so I'm editing myself really in that in that respect yeah. and it does work I think for me anyway I like yeah. I like doing that rather than sticking my head into it just ploughing through for six yes. months I found that with my own writing even when it's you know a bigger narrative sort of adult narrative it's like I've just had a massive confidence crash on the second one I started writing the second book and yeah I'm taking on the second book that's yeah. what it's like. <laughs> true and, I'm taking on, and, and what I've found is with illustration even if I'm in some other whether I'm knackered hungover not in the mood if mm. I've got a deadline and I have to get it done I will get it done to a decent degree mm. writing this, the writer's block thing is so true it's like if, if you lost confidence or momentum it's, it's yeah. pretty hard to get it back sometimes and uh, just out of nowhere, I mean, literally halfway through a paragraph on a train, we're sort of firing all cylinders, and it just went, Ooh, this is a shit idea. Yeah. <laughs> and, I went, and I haven't gone back to it yet, and, it's like, and I will do, I will return. Yeah. I'm sure that when I do, for that distance, I will, I will suddenly see it more clear and come back at it yeah. with an objective eye. But it's like, I don't know, it's, it's, a, it's a tricky thing. I suppose with a kid's book, you are looking at a, a much simpler, shorter narrative. So Yeah, exactly. It's not like, you know, James Joyce or anything like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't. I haven't done a word count on my story. It's probably you know, it's yeah. not a lot. <laughs> like yeah. you say, the pictures. Have you um, have you had space. the pleasure of, of sitting down with your own daughter now and, and oh, yeah. reading the story? Yeah, I yeah. I mean, push. I got an advanced copy through. Uh, I think about a month before it came out, and so sat down with her and read it to her, and she thought it was okay. <laughs> You're always going to get honesty, aren't you? Yeah, that yeah. Age. She's all right. Uh, she prefers Paddington and uh, another bear. He's, oh, Winnie the Pooh, of course. So, yeah. yeah. Are you competing with Michael Bond and A.A. Milne? That's fair enough if you come third place, I think. Did, so, they, did, uh, did, did being a father kind of help you? Did you, have, did you have an awareness of what was going on in the market? Sort of thing? Uh, what, what, it, what? It, it helped me in as much as, um, I think, just simply you know, having so many picture books lying around in our house now or even like a few years ago uh, I had bought some for myself before she was born just because illustrators who I'm fans of like John Classen and Sean mm. Tan people like that so you know, Sean Tan's fantastic yeah um, I'm more than happy to you know as an adult admit say yeah I buy picture books for me yeah. <laughs> oh, absolutely yeah, yeah. I, well, I definitely uh, want to grab a copy of yours for myself because I think it's beautifully illustrated and very contemporary I think it's great thanks very much <laughs> no, I do the, the colour palette in particular I think it's wonderful that's the one thing I agonise over actually I can I draw quite quickly um, again that's another trait from working animation because sometimes you're having to shift out you know a dozen drawings in a few minutes so yeah. I naturally draw quickly but I can spend weeks agonising over colours yeah and yeah and I, yeah, I got there in the end with the bear instead to a point where I was happy with it. But so many redrafts, where all the colours are different, and yeah, yeah. So but it, again, it's something that's worth spending time on. Oh, because without a doubt, it's, it's it's such a big factor in creating that world. Yeah, especially with really young kids, I think the first thing they their eyes start to 
engage with are colours and the way colours contrast and the shapes yeah. they make. So if if it's not right, they'll probably visually they'll lose interest. But yeah, you know? and that can happen very quickly as we know yeah, yeah. children can have short attention spans. Yeah. You know, so but what did you what kids books did you read as a kid? Is there, oh, any, is there anything that um, stand out in your memory as yeah, sort of? definitely the the Mister Men ones I do remember clearly. Um, had a lot of those, and I think going back to what we were saying about how kids um, their emotional intelligence does kind of start to develop when they're really quite young. I, I remember one of my earliest memories is I think it was my my first example of empathy. It's like feeling sorry for Mister Bump for banging his head so many times. <laughs> I remember like getting, I remember well, like, well. welling up. I was like, this poor sod, he like <laughs> can't leave the house without going to A and E, and obviously didn't think about it like that when I was a child, but. I do, do clearly remember really feeling something for Mr. Bump, thinking, oh, poor man, you know, the life he's had to go through. Yeah. It really, really got to me. <laughs> That's, you should, I think you should never underestimate the, the literal mind of a kid sometimes. Yeah, you know, like, yeah. I made the mistake recently of um, my friend's little boy was wild when he learned that I worked for WWE. Right, yeah. And um, he's, he's, you know, he's, I think he was eight, seven or eight at the time. Yeah. And I got him a free ticket to come and see Raw in Manchester, and it obsessed right. with John Cena, like most kids yeah, that age. Yeah. And um, I made the mistake of underestimating just how literally kids take things. And he goes, oh, you know, do, do you think you could ever, uh, you know, meet John Cena? Like, you know, you work for WWE. I, you know, didn't want to, you can say, okay, well, I'm in the UK, I'm working remotely. Not, absolutely, probably yeah. not a chance. But, oh, uh, you know, if, you know, if you're good for your dad, maybe, who, <laughs> who knows, in a few years' time. He's, he's written out a list of questions for when Ben oh, gets no. me to meet John Cena. And oh, I feel no. terrible about it. But, but there is that, isn't there? There is the literal thing about... Kids just <laughs> can't even write to Jim or fix it anymore. So, yeah. yeah, so yeah, this, this idea of you sitting there traumatized over Mr. Bump is hilarious. Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> and what other books do I have? Uh, the, the Lady Bird classic kind of fairy tale ones yeah. as well. Mm. I still remember because the illustrations in that were very, um, very traditional, kind of hand painted and quite creepy. I remember copy of Rumpelstiltskin and that gave me nightmares because he was like this horrible little goblin and he had a kind of warty nose and it was so too real yeah, yeah it was very realistically painted to the point where I thought God does he, does he exist you know it's... and then when I was a bit older I remember moving on to like the Lady Bird they did the horror classics so Dracula and Frankenstein and they mm. really freaked me out yeah but I think that's good I think you know children should experience all emotions when they yeah introduced to literature i mean obviously don't scare the wits out of them when they're really young you of want course, them to have a good yeah. night's sleep but you shouldn't shouldn't shy away from you know those kind of classic slightly well, it, scary it's stories. essential what flexing of the imagination isn't it at yeah age. and it's the first time that they're able to own something for themselves and interpret that yeah with imagination and i think that's a for me certainly that, that i mean i've got straight to roll down as mm. just steroids for the mind as a kid you know yeah, it was yeah, like yeah. talking about losing yourself in a book like James and the Giant Peach I was in that peach mm. and I was like that world was so real and I couldn't wait to get back to the book every day yeah I think that was wonderful and I mean obviously he's one of the he's one of the greatest for you know for that sort of evocative writing and being quite adult with his books and yeah being quite raw and I, mm. I think that was great and that's why you connected with it as a kid because it was like oh this is a bit rude like yeah totally you know yeah. my parents are already and that was a beautiful thing there's a line in George's Marvelous Medicine where he talks about his Godmother or something on some old woman who's got a shriveled up mouth like a dog's asshole yeah, or something. Yeah. Didn't say asshole, but <laughs> yeah. you know, but it's just that I visual, the likening it like is this old wrinkly mouth to a dog's bottom or something. And you, 
that's really evocative it's also like say pretty raw and pretty rude yeah. for a kids book and as a kid that's exciting like Revolting yeah. Rhymes was part I'm not joking that in demand in the library at school you know it was like where, who's got it where's it gone you know like yeah. always some kid going over it in the backpack because it was just it was like you know it's, it felt naughty to a degree because it was he was yeah. going a little bit above and beyond the, the age group that maybe people thought it was tailored to you know and um, well, would you I mean I mean, being someone who's written this book, would you do you like the idea of working with another writer down the line? I was like, yeah, oh, definitely. I mean, I have illustrated a book for another writer called Alex English, um, and in fact, that came about just the year before the Bear Who Stared. Um, oh, it's right. a publisher called Maverick Arts, and they uh, kind of not specialise in, but they do kind of help uh, first-time writers and illustrators kind of break into the industry. So they. You know, they they have this kind of admissions process where people can send in their ideas. Um, some publishers are quite strict. You know, can't go on agent. We're not interested in that kind of thing. Yeah. Thankfully, Templar aren't like that, and Maverick Arts aren't like that either. So, um, I sent in, I think, uh, some examples of my portfolio, and yeah, they said, well, we've got the story coming up about pirates, and we think your style would suit it. And um, it was a really good kind of fun project. It was like a a rhyming book, um, nice kind of like humour to it and it was very easy I found to illustrate to Alex's words because I don't know that the I think the editor did a good job in seeing my style, seeing her text mm. and going, those two will marry together quite nicely and it Yeah. I did find it pretty as soon as I kind of read a paragraph, I was like, Oh yeah, I know how to set this picture up, yeah. this will be great. And uh yeah, so that's that worked out really well. Um that's the only time I've illustrated a Oh no! I did actually talking of naughty rhymes. I did illustrate a, a book of uh, it's called Rhymes My Mother Never Told Me, like rude poems. So okay, it's, yeah. it's aimed at adults, uh, but it's a, it, you know it's one of those things. It's kind of aimed at adults, but if you accidentally left it lying around and a kid found it, oh well, never mind. It's not full of swearing yeah, or anything like that. Yeah. It's one of it's one of those kind of things that deliberately crosses the line. So you know poems about bogeys and yeah. farts and stuff like that <laughs> that was a lot of fun illustrating obviously because so, yeah. I am a puerile guy I'd be the first to admit it and you know talking about you know at school the kind of the books you I, I remember reading Viz at the age of 11 so somehow a copy of Viz got lying around in the it, classroom honestly yeah. latched onto that and from that age onwards my dad used to, my bring, life. used to bring them from the car boot sale like the annuals and <laughs> thinking luckily, they were comics and so. luckily for me I, I <laughs> Took, I mean, until the age of about seven, right up until 17, 18, yeah. I always thought the letters were just letters, boring letters, so I went straight past them to the comics. Thank God, because yeah. I would be far more, I'd be far more walked now if I'd been yeah. reading that stuff at 12, 13 years yeah, old. No, I'm a fanosaurus. But that's know? true, I was the same. It's you, as a kid, a young kid, you go straight to the kind of comic strip ones, like, you know. Spoiled bastard and all the rest yeah. of it, and then <laughs> yeah. as an adult, you flick back through it and you start reading the letters. And also, there's kind of spoof articles like yeah. about a traffic warden and stuff. And when you actually get into them, they're the funniest <laughs> things ever written. Yeah. Brilliant. In fact, I mean, Susan, we're in Bristol today, so it's a good time to bring this one up. But there was a spoof news article in in one of the comics, the Viz ones, which killed me, and it was. Um, a guy sort of supposedly coming out and revealing that David Attenborough has never left Bristol. <laughs> and it was called Lies on Earth, the article. Amazing. <laughs> and it was saying how he'd staged it all either at Bristol Park or Bristol Boating Lake. Um, and he said he had me in a millet sleeping bag once and filmed it up close as like a maggot or some sort of lava. And that was just the best article. He said I was in the gorilla suit when, when he sat on his knee. And he said he, kept, he said he was usually good, but he kept fluffing his lines on his take. And now I can't even look at a banana without getting indigestion. 
<laughs> Jack Black was pure golden. That, is that great. sense of humour. Actually, that's probably fed a lot of the humour in my work without yeah. really being conscious of I it. I mean, you know? yeah, it's shaped, I think it's shaped a generation, hasn't it? Yeah, oh, it's <laughs> yeah. gone the wrong way. Wow. Well, depends on your viewpoint. Of course it does, <laughs> yeah. But I think so. <laughs> So how is there a digital edition? I'm guessing there will be of, of the book. Um, I don't know actually. No. Um, I mean, in my contract, there's a clause about digital editions. I think, but there's been no talk of it yet. So no. How do you, how do you, how do you feel about it? Especially as a father, I, I would be. I mean, as someone who's who's not a parent, um, if I go down that road, then I really romanticise about that idea of reading time and having printed books and, and, yeah. and being quite romantic about that because I think I think it's important to have the, the te- everything from the texture of the page to, yeah. the, to, the, to the alone time without distraction. I, I agree. I think I'm, you know, obviously working in print media now and so I'm going to champion print media but uh, digital media certainly there's a place for it. You can't deny that and mm. um, I think with, I still, when I when I read books myself, I don't have a Kindle or anything like that. I will just kind of get, get secondhand shop or something yeah, like that. Maybe drop it. Oh, never mind. Pick yeah. it up again. Um, but certainly with kids' books, because it is with picture books, they don't even have to be novelty books with kind of furry textures or flaps that you open or anything like that. It's for me, it's it's a multi-sensory experience. Yeah. It's not about. It is about looking at pictures and looking at words or having words read to you. But just going back to you know, the kids, the books I remember as a kid. The I probably remember how my lady book, ladybird books smelt more so than what the stories were about. Yeah, that's that's one of the that's one of my earliest memories. It's the I can't quite remember what that story's about, but I remember that book smelt really musty because it'd been at the loft for six months or something mm. like that. And that kind of adds to the experience. Like with those horror ones, the Dracula and Frankenstein ones, they were like hand me downs. They were really old and. When you opened the spine, went and creaked, yeah. and it's that horrible noise, and the smell smelled like dust from like a tomb or something like that. Yeah, and it made yeah. them scarier, I'm sure. Yeah. So it's, I think, yeah. And also, like you say, the texture of the page, um, certainly the smell of the ink, that's like what napalm is to Robert Duval. That is, I love that <laughs> smell. Well, first of all, when I get a nice coloured printed picture book, yeah. first thing is open it up to the middle page and have a good waft of the, yeah, the yeah. ink because it's still almost fresh on the page and it's and, just um, about separating yourself from all distractions as well and, and, and being able to be alone with that book yeah um, and you know I think there's, I think there's that danger now of, of everything being a little sterile sterile and it's all, if it's all consumed digitally you know yeah it's, just, uh, um, it's like the same thing with playing out and, and kids being allowed to spend hours I mean we're going down a, a thorny road there but, yeah. but, with, but with you know the whole playing out thing Certainly, for me as a creative person now, the the smells and the texture of anything from woods to playing out to um, taking in just the littlest details feeds the mind. And I think, yeah. you know, I think with with kids' books, I think it's important to retain that to a degree. I think. I think. I mean, obviously, with a tablet or something, uh, there's the kind of added uh, dimension of interactivity. So you can touch something, it'll make a sound, it'll change colour, it'll change shape, mm. it'll do something, and. I can I can understand how that will fire a kid's imagination as well, um, but personally, I just think for younger children, I know it's just again through my own experience, I can't speak for anyone else, but um, you know we tried giving the tablet to my daughter before, mm. and that wasn't a problem giving it to her. What the problem was was getting it off her. Yeah, <laughs> you need a crowbar or something to get it out of her hands, and then she had a 
bless her, she had a bit of a tantrum afterwards and we just thought, oh, never again, really. Yeah. Um, things like phones as well. Yeah. She's interested because she sees people using them and maybe friends yeah. she knows you get to play on them. And so, you know, not, not long ago, my wife said, okay, you can play on my phone for a bit, got it back. She had to do like a factory reset practically. Everything had changed, everything had <laughs> been deleted. Um, swiped to oh, one, no. one page. There were just like 15 clocks all telling the same time. Oh. I was like, how did that get there? God. So, you know, kids and technology, they, yes, they, they're very intuitive. They know how to use it. But sometimes, you know, it just, yeah. just makes a bad, bad combination. Sometimes. I, I think so. And I would also err on the side of, you said then about firing a kid's imagination. I think there's a very double-edged sword and a risk that it will actually, because everything's done for you, will, yeah, will stifle yeah, yeah. the imagination. You know that. Perhaps, I, yeah. I think when it's text on the page or a picture book, it's the, again, it goes back to the ownership of, of a kid creating, having to create that world in their mind and they yeah. have to work for it a bit yeah, harder. I read an interesting article a long time ago, but uh, say before I'd written The Bear Who's Dead, and it was about... Um, and I'm a fan of this, but it's kind of like minimal uh, illustration. So by all means, have a character, have a bit of a background going on, but leave quite a lot of blank space on the page as well. Not just mm. to fill with text, but just blank space. Because apparently kids like to fill those gaps with their yeah. own pictures, you know. Uh, okay, and yeah. I thought, that's interesting. Yeah, I'd, I, that wouldn't have occurred to me had I not... Um, I think it was like a child psychologist who wrote it. Um because you know they'll see a character and maybe like a hint of a front door and then they'll figure out in their own head what this guy's house is going to look like what his living right. room like okay, would he have trees outside or plants or yeah. whatever so if you draw it all for them then there's not much left for the imagination so it's important to leave gaps leave space like you say don't reveal everything because yeah. kids can work that out for themselves yeah i think it's the same thing as putting you kid in front of a TV show for four hours to make your life easier it's like yeah, I do that the story the way, is, I'm going to admit that I do. <laughs> oh, <laughs> and and again I'm not saying, I'm not saying there's, a, there's no right or wrong when it comes no, to, no. to parenting but I, uh, but I just think sometimes if the whole story is told and nothing's left to the child it's like you know, and it's just entertainment and yeah. then where's the enchantment where's the, where's the juices creatively going yeah. you know it's just yeah. that's, what I, that's what I would worry about and, and mm. I'm just again I'm going back to only my own experiences because that's all you can go on but just you know like I said about the Roald Dahl stuff and being lost and tallying those worlds it just I think they were early triggers for making me want to draw and create my own environments and that sort of stuff, you know. I think it's good to yeah, get kids yeah. uh, reading that stuff. Yeah, I mean that's um one thing I'm I am happy about is you know, my daughter does just spend a lot of time drawing and brilliant, yeah. Weird stuff, like really. I mean she went through a phase of just black paint, just paint everything black. Like <laughs> Charlie Higson's character on a fast show, you know, the watercolour artist, yeah. goes black and just goes crazy. Yeah. Like that. Just don't know really, why. She just went so to her You just have to let him go. Like, yeah, it's great. absolutely. Yeah. My brother used to come on from nursery, and I remember this really clearly, and he was a real fussy eater as a kid. And weirdly enough, too, that the only, two of the only things he liked in sandwiches were cottage cheese and, and tuna. And um, <laughs> so he'd come on from nursery with, you know, the big, massive, abstract, messy paintings of like four year old or whatever he was, yeah. like all kids do. And you go, that's, that's lovely. What's what's that, Sean? Cottage cheese. What's that one? Fish. Well, what about this one? Cottage cheese. What about that fish? And, and that's all he would paint. And it was like, <laughs> it's so good. I love those weird quirks that each kid's yeah. got. But yeah, it's, it's, I think they're working something out, aren't they? They're all mad. I don't know what it is, but it's, no, it's exactly. an essential process. It's, yeah. it's great. Oh, no, but it's, no, it's a minefield. And that, again, nothing's right or wrong. And I think it is great now that they've got access to digital from an early age because it's got a lot of benefits. But mm. I think it's balanced like anything else, isn't it? Of course it is, yeah. They know, there's no, um, 
I mean, there's no point demonising uh, technological advancement. It's happening, and it's going to, you know, it's in every classroom, and, you know, I think it is important that kids learn to use it, uh, but like anything else, it's, you know, it's moderation, yeah. isn't yes, it? Yes, yeah. yeah, I think so. So how, how was the sort of nitty-gritty side of stuff, you know, in terms of the, the book, when you were working at a book deal, I guess it helped having illustration limited um, involved in that? I mean, I, I mean, this is something I just worked out with the publisher, so, yeah. um, you know, it's just a standard contract. And Did, you, did you have an idea, like, I mean, I'm obviously not going to talk numbers, but did you have an idea in your head what you should go in for? How did you, this is a first time or I would not know where to start I, in terms of what I, you should be going for, for example? I did kind of, like, um, read a few... Luckily, you know, if you do look on the internet, you'll find blog posts by publishers and writers, and okay. people kind of like share their experiences or say this is a realistic that's kind of good. proposition. And you, you kind of look at that and go, well, if that's standard, then yeah, I'll that's go along good. with it, you know. And because so uh, really I came well, across a few um, people, uh, new designers last year, was uh, selling my book and mm. doing sort of a few portfolio sessions. And one girl came over really quite bamboozled and flustered and said, "Look, can I have some advice?" Like I. I just been approached by some small publishers from Wales. She was from, I think it was Swansea, you might right. say. And, That's um, right. Oh, is that right? Yeah. yeah. And, and she said, um, you know, and anyway, they've, they've come, they said they've got no budget, they want to do four kids' books. Um, you know, it'd be a great experience off the portfolio, all that stuff. And I was, I was so angry. I was like, I sat sort of, you could tell she wanted to do it because she was threatened with you and he had no work. Well, no payment at all? No payment. Well, yeah. that, that's called it, slavery. I thought that was outlawed. Well, <laughs> it, 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 this is the thing, isn't it? There's a real movement in the minute about not what creatives not working for free, which is fantastic. Yeah, well, and, uh, but anyway, you know, you could yeah. sort of see it breaking her that she knew she had to turn it down because she yeah, wanted yeah. this idea of getting work. But it's just there's always charlatans out there, aren't there? But yeah. you know, I'm just interested to know. You know, it's good that people are sharing this information and, and giving sort of yeah. guidelines because it's it's a minefield, as we all know. And with, in terms of rights and contracts, it can be bloody horrible trying to know. Yeah, what's certainly. What. I mean. I think I I would say obviously never work for free, but then uh, there are some grey areas. Say for instance, someone likes an illustration you've done, but they want to see a sample of you. So they don't. There's no one on your site is an illustration of like a car, and there's stories about a car, and yeah. all you've got is like birds and gorillas illustrations or something. So they might say, "Can you draw us a car in your style?" Um, yeah. We'll look at it, and the, on the basis of that, you might get yeah. a job. Of course, you wouldn't go, no, unless you pay me. Of course, yeah. But if someone wants a fully finished project for nothing, then... It is ridiculous, isn't it? Is yeah. Daft, yeah. That's the thing, yeah. Yeah, no, it's interesting. Well, you know, my, my girlfriend Laura's doing that at the minute. She does bits of illustration projects, but she's not got a, a strong enough portfolio. Yeah. Anyway, a guy's approached, a friend of a friend came to me, and I said, well, I'm not, at this point in my time, I don't really want to do kids book thing however you know you should check out Laura's work mm. I think she'd be really well suited to it she was really interested so she is she's working out some quick sketches at the minute just little character ideas back yeah. and forth to see if they're on a wavelength and then they'll talk business so yeah, yeah. that's fine you know that's fine that. yeah, yeah. If, it, if it's a, a means to an end and likewise if they at the end of the day say sorry uh, we don't think your style would suit this book as long as you haven't done weeks and weeks worth of work you, you set in your own head how much time am I going to dedicate to this no no I'm not going to be paid for it yeah what, what would I be happy if they said no tomorrow, I'm not going to go, oh, what a waste of time. You know, so, yeah, if a couple of days work. And likewise, if it, I've done a few samples, project hasn't gone ahead, but then with the work I've done, really happy with it, so put it on my portfolio anyway. Oh, yeah, yeah. I've and that. um, so that's another thing to look out for. If someone 
you know, if they want you to sign an NDA or something like that, and you don't get the gig, but they still say, oh, but you can't show the preliminary sketches. Yeah. Some people might, you see, so you want to yeah. make sure, even if you don't get the job, yeah. at least you still hold the rights to the work yes. you've done, so if you want to show it off on your website, what have yeah. you, great. Yes. It's just so, being aware, yeah. isn't it? And I think yeah. it's, you can't ever overlook doing your homework and asking other people, because most creative people tend to be quite nice and they're always yeah, happy to no, pass on their own experiences yeah. so I always say to people look you've got you know the association of illustrators the, if you don't have an agent you can go to those guys you, or yeah. you can just email uh, let's say six other people doing a similar thing and probably a handful of them will get back and, and say oh this is maybe what you should be looking for this is what I got mm. there you go and it's just good to get a little bit of an average in there I think yeah. and find out yeah yeah, okay. if someone so, if someone's asking you to do like a full book and not pay for it yeah. if they say it's exposure or whatever um, I just remember I saw someone tweeted uh, on talking on the same uh, subject. Whenever you're asked to do something for exposure, just reply with this tweet or whatever, this email saying this is what exposure looks like, and it's the end shot of Jack Nicholson in the in the shine, just frozen dead with icicles hanging out of his nose. <laughs> <laughs> That's the perfect answer. Brilliant. <laughs> you know. That's so good. Yeah. <laughs> so. Um, so where's the where's the sequel to? Where's the, well, not the sequel, but where's the Lumberjack's beard? The where? Lumberjack's beard. I can show you some of the artwork I've been working because I've been working on it just on and off over the last month. So, hmm. um, is there a is, is there a, any is, are they are they standalone books or is this? A yeah, they are. Yeah. I mean, initially, I think I don't. I wouldn't say I got a kind of three book deal off the back of this, but I think they saw potential for. A series of books, a trip of books, where it's the bear who's dead and another animal doing something else that rhymes. Yeah. So I thought, okay, I can hopefully do that. Mm. And then I wrote, you know, the bear's dead. I was happy with it. And um, is that a part of it on your desktop there? This is part of the lumberjack's yeah. beard. Yeah. I'm just going. Gorgeous colour palette again. Like, Thanks. It's, it's very warm. I like. Yeah, I really like that. It's, love the eyebrows. I do love the eyebrows. In your yeah. Work. I have noticed that. <laughs> um, so and then I just thought, well. In a way, that restricts me then, because I got to think of the X that whatever, and mm. you're already restricting your story on the title, and so I just came up with something very different, and the, you know, publishers were fine with that as long as they get get three books they're happy with at the end of it. Really. Yeah, you've got a fantastically consistent style. You know, it's it, it's, you're not getting away from what you do, which I guess is an essential part of someone committing. Look at that; it's wonderful. So, so that yeah, my, uh, well, yeah, my editor hasn't even seen these yet. So. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's a, roughly speaking, it's just about a lumberjack who lives in a little cabin by himself in a somewhere in the Rockies. I haven't really expressly kind of given it a location, but um, I went to Wyoming for a year when I was at university. I did an exchange year and went to the University of Wyoming in Laramie, and that was. You know, great fun, and it was great to be in a kind of environment. Uh, just these plains, as far as the eye can see, like literally no obstructions on the horizon. And wow. drive for a couple of hours, and you're in huge mountains. And, yeah. And I just remember, um, I think at the at the university when I first arrived, there was an exhibition of kind of Ansel Adams photography and all the kind of I love Ansel the mountains Park. and the waterfalls and the rivers and the canyons. And I just thought. Crikey, yeah, the, obviously we have beautiful countryside in this country, but when you go to another country see theirs, you just walk gobsmacked by it, because it's almost a bit alien. It's yeah, like, oh it is. You yeah. know, the shapes of the mountains are different, the, the rivers are different, everything's yeah. different, and that 
really kind of stuck with me. And I had a great time out there. And so I did want to, when I was coming up with the idea of the lumberjack, I thought it'd be nice to, for this book, not to kind of expressly be set in Wyoming or anything, but a bit of a personal little love letter yeah. to that region of yeah. North America, because I enjoyed being there so much. So I, thought, I, I okay, think that comes across to a reader as well. I think that, that personal investment, maybe subconscious, but that love yeah. will, will, will translate in a story. So, so that's you know what this book is about. And he, I won't give too much away, but obviously being a lumberjack, he chops down all the trees, and then a lot of these little critters from the forest come to pay him a visit because they're not too happy with what he's done to their their uh, their homes. So um, they have to move into his beard. <laughs> that's a fantastic no way. I love that. <laughs> and uh, you know, if you had animals living inside your beard, obviously it's going to cause problems, and that's that's what the story's about. So, I once uh, grew my hair out. The only time I've ever really tried growing because it's like somewhere between a mullet and an afro, so it's not good. Nice. And I had quite a big sort of curly mop at one point, and yeah. I remember the time I knew it was time to go when I was illustrating and just sort of ran my hand through my hair thinking something over, and a ladybird fell out of it, and I was like, okay. <laughs> Okay, things are now residing <laughs> in my head. This is time to cut. Yeah. <laughs> and so where, people, where can people pick up The Bear Who Stares? It is um, kind of out in, well, online, obviously, and um, Waterstones are selling it, and Templar are uh, distributing it across, you know, independent bookshops, I think, across the UK. So, yeah, it's... I get little photographs from time to time for people who have spotted it in Excellent. independent shops. Um, yeah. uh, one guy uh, saw it in an English bookshop in Luxembourg as oh, well, wow. so it's, it's there. Brilliant, um, that's um, good distribution. Yeah, <laughs> and it is being published in the United States on July the 6th, or July the 5th, I think, uh, because yeah. Templar are owned by Bonnier Group and they have a sister company in America called Little Bee who are publishing house out there and so they're um, doing the American side of it so yeah um, it'll be interesting to see you know whether any co-editions get picked up in the future as well so yeah it's that's an exciting, exciting thing isn't it in yeah. the world of publishing yeah but um, no it's been good fun I've done a few book events now just did one yesterday in Clevedon at an independent bookshop there called Books on the Hill um, which is a really good little shop and um read the book to a load of kids and did bear mask making with them and stuff so Excellent. <laughs> felt a bit like a kindergarten teacher but <laughs> yeah yeah it was good fun and um yeah i you know i enjoy it so it's yeah it's good to do that must be a nice things. side of it knowing that kids are going to be taking you know something completely different per individual from yeah your, from your book that must be you know, a real, real nice thing well, it's quite funny before i'd even sat down to read it i had like a kind of hardback copy in my hand which i was going to use for the reading this little kid just came up, took the book off me, stuffed a tenner in my pocket. It's like, <laughs> what are you doing? She's only about four. Wow. And then I was like, oh, no, no, you have to buy it from the there lady at the shop. Go. I know. It's like, this <laughs> kid's like a little, 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 del, little del boy. <laughs> like, you keep the change, I'll have this hardback. You know? like, <laughs> and I, so I had to explain how they're meant to buy it from the shop, you know, and do it all properly. Really? And, uh, they're a bit confused, but then their mum kind of, put them straight but yeah <laughs> so that was entertaining fantastic well thanks for your time thank yeah, you very much yeah. cheers look forward to seeing the lumberjack's beard yeah yeah <laughs> um, I think well, my artwork deadline is end of August um, and then it's should be out February 2017 so superb yeah nice be a birthday present for my 34 
<laughs> You're just a kid. Yeah. <laughs> you want to get some grey hair like me? <laughs> Duncan's story about his uh, daughter telling him that the book's nah, it's all right. It's not bad. It's all right, you know. It's, I absolutely love that. I've come across so many examples recently of children just meaning well but being so brutally honest because that's the only way kids can be and you've got to love that. What a great source of feedback. Um, I'm going to have a very young guest coming up on the show before long on that basis. I met a real young little entrepreneur that I'm not going to reveal just who yet. But let's just say he's probably a third of my age. Um, And for anyone that knows me, you might get a rough idea what that is. But... Honestly, I'm talking about a kid who's got an illustration business and he's not even in secondary school. I'm going to bring you that in the future. But I love that about Duncan's daughter just giving him frank feedback. Um, it's brilliant. You've got to, you know, it's like you've got to go some to get near roll dial dad sort of thing. And I absolutely adore that. And it's such a beautiful thing. What a wonderful experience there for, for Duncan to have the opportunity to sit down with his girl and read his own children's book to her. I think that's absolutely beautiful. Uh, so really exciting times. It's great to know that the book's doing well, as Duncan told me. Uh, I cannot wait to see The Lumberjack's Beard. I think it's going to be a tremendous follow-up. And he's creating this rich pan- panorama of characters. So you can pick that up now in most Waterstone stores, independent bookstores. Always good to support the independents. So do that if you get the chance. Brilliant stuff. Let us know what you think of the book if you've checked it out. Uh, my girlfriend bought a copy for, I believe, one of her goddaughters recently. Uh, we, I've got a copy myself. It's just brilliant, and I cannot recommend it highly enough. So let us know your thoughts on the episode, and if you enjoyed Duncan's story, uh, what plans have you got to get into children's book illustration? I was at New Designers last year, and I hope to be again this year. And there were so many people with really, really cool stuff. And it's a competitive industry, but like anything else, it's about standing out and being you. So I can't wait to see this year's and see what we've got on offer. Uh, And I'm going to point them all in the direction of this episode and Duncan Beattie. So let us know if there are other children's illustrators or authors that you'd like to hear from. Obviously, I'm going to try and get Quentin Blake at some point, but we'll see how that goes. That will be wonderful. Uh, Go and let us know at Arrest on the Mix on Twitter. Facebook.com forward slash arrest on the mix. And you can email us arrest on the mix at gmail.com. So looking forward to hearing from you. And now we are weekly, like I say. Cannot wait to do that. It's going to be more work on my plate, but it's so worth it because you guys are making this show everything that I dreamed it could be. Uh, really cool. I don't know where it's going to go from here, but I'm loving everything that we're doing. So thank you so much. And also thanks to Illustration Limited and Hearts Internet. And we will see you next week. It's going to be Tuesday, by the way, Tuesday, 11am on a weekly basis from now on, so you know when they're going to drop. See you next week. You've been listening to Arrest All